are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I feel really today that the Lord has, has given me something very specific. I'm still praying about Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, I'm, I'm feeling some direction, and it may be a, a part one and a part two. It may be an extension of today. But uh, I feel very, very specifically directed in the Holy Ghost this morning. Uh, and I'm glad that uh, Pastor Tom said what he said in regards to our relationship with you as a local church because I, I just feel like the Lord has given me something that maybe uh, can help you not just today, but looking forward. If you have your Bibles, uh, would you turn with me? Uh, we're going to have to go to the old days where you actually pull out a Bible or a phone or something and look at no screen today to watch. Genesis chapter 22, verses 4 through 10. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife, to slay his son. Then reading one more passage of scripture found in Proverbs chapter 29, very familiar passage to all of us in verse number 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. For a few moments, I'd like to preach to you this morning on this subject, looking through the eyes of promise. Looking through the eyes of promise. You know, we act and react based on vision and how we see the world. It's amazing to me how two people can look or even hear the same thing, yet see it or understand it so very differently. Has anybody experienced that besides me? The truth is, most of us shape our worldview from the lens of our own experiences. 
especially through our wounds. I would submit to you in this first service back from this pandemic and this current crisis that with everything in us, we need to do our absolute best to see the world, not just the world in general, but your world. Thank you. That's about the third one, I think, that's went off so far. We need to do our absolute very best, number four, to see the world through the lens of God's Word and the lens of God's promises. Does anybody agree with that? And again, I want to say that in a specific way, not just a general way. You know, Paul said to the church of Philippi, reading Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Paul said there's something he does. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Anybody want to look forward today? We can't do anything about the past 11 weeks. And the truth is, your greatest crisis may have nothing to do with this pandemic. You may be dealing with issues that are totally different and totally far beyond what the pandemic may be. But I want to tell you, you can't do anything about the past, but you can certainly do something about the future. And it starts with today. In Jesus' name. Genesis chapter 22 was 42 years after God first called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees in chapter 12. So between chapter 12 and chapter 22 was 42 years. Abraham's life I have in my notes, like most of us, I probably should just not include you and just say like me, was far from perfect. In fact, just the opposite is true. We know from the biblical record, he made some major mistakes in his life. Some of them we are still dealing with today. Yet over time, the Bible says he grew in faith. During those 42 years of imperfection, during those 42 years of major mistakes, the Bible says he grew. He grew in faith and he grew in his relationship with God to the point that he is described as the father of the faithful. In fact, 
all New Testament born-again believers. Anybody fit that description here today? Do we have any born-again believers in the house? In God's house? All of us are referred to in Scripture as sons and daughters of Abraham. Let's read Romans 4. You don't mind if I read a few scriptures, do you? Romans 4. As it is written, verse 17. I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he, whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and watch this, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So we understand the pattern God gave us, the example God gave us, is He's looking forward. Even as things that aren't even yet, He treats them as though they were. Watch this now. Verse 18, who... This is, this is kind of odd the way this is written. Against hope, believed in hope. That's interesting. Against hope, believed in hope, that he might be the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, now remember, 42 years here, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. I don't personally know how I could handle that. I just turned 68 just a few weeks ago. If God told me that my wife and I were going to have a baby, I think I'd begin to wonder about that just a bit. And now we're talking about a man who was 100 and his wife was 90. Just saying. And watch this. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Let me pause just a moment. What do you mean he staggered not? We know he made mistakes during those 42 years. The word staggered here is an interesting word. It doesn't mean that he didn't make mistakes or he didn't have some issues or didn't have some doubts. What it meant was he did not position himself in a way that he would cut off the promise. Thank you. At least the balloons say amen. He didn't cut off himself. He didn't position himself and say, hey, there's been too many years it's been... Let me get finished. There's been too many years that hasn't... that's went by here and, and yet I don't see things the way... I heard it promised. He didn't do that. 
I said he didn't do that. And God help us not to stagger at the promises of God. Watch this. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written, watch this, and this is, this is the part I love. It was not written for his sake alone, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who is delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Look at what he said to the Galatians. I'm talking about Paul. Look at what he said to the Galatians in chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Isn't that amazing? Watch this now. Verse 14, jumping ahead. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise. Everybody say the promise. The promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. And then dropping to verse 29. And if you be Christ, anybody in here Christ? Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you are here this morning, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that means you are a recipient of the promise that God gave to Abraham over 4,000 years ago. I think God looked forward. What do you think? I think God was looking forward. Remember, and this may shock some of you what I'm about to say, but Isaac wasn't Abraham's promise. Yes, God promised Abraham a son. But he wasn't the promise that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12. The promise was the blessing that was going to be passed down through Isaac and to every generation that would follow, even to you and I. Today is a very significant day to the church. It's called the day of Pentecost. 
We are here on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is the birthday of the church. I remember preaching here, I think two years ago, maybe in this very same week of meetings, on the power of Pentecost. How many believe on the power of Pentecost? That day, that promise, the promise of the Spirit, was poured out the very first time. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still recipients of the promise. And let me pause right here and say, if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit today, right now, right where you're at. You're watching online and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can receive the Holy Spirit today, right there in your living room or in your bedroom or in your, your whatever guest room you may be. Just lift your hands heavenward. Open your voice. Why don't we just do that right now? Why don't we just lift our hands heavenward in the name of Jesus? And if you have the Holy Spirit right now, why don't you exercise that liberty in Him? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I know for sure that we've got some pastors in this assembly that would love to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see, the Holy Spirit of promise was and is so powerful. It was prophesied that it would bless every family, every ethnicity, depending on how you translate it, of the earth. That's where every ethnic, that's why every ethnicity of the earth will have the gospel preached to it before Jesus comes. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world to every nation, to every ethnicity. Then shall the end come. But here's my question. Here's what stirred this message in me. What was it? That gave Abraham such favor with God. Again, we know he wasn't without mistakes. We also know God's promises aren't a product of chance. God didn't have a random drawing and Abraham happened to be the lucky number. It wasn't by accident. The scripture is clear. Abraham gained favor with God because of his great faith. He grew in faith. There is nothing that this pandemic can do to any of us. I don't mean to be hard and crude, but even if we were the unfortunate one to have lost a loved one, not even the loss of a loved one, can keep our faith from growing in Christ. Does anybody believe that besides me? 
What was the foundation? The catalyst. The passion behind his great faith. I can tell you he just didn't, you know, squeeze his brain and faith appeared. I submit to you, it was his spiritual vision. And the promise God gave him 42 years earlier that he refused to let go of. Abraham's worldview, or Abraham's, excuse me, Abraham's worldview became shaped over time through the eyes of God's promise. Uh oh. I'm in trouble. I have no more iPad. So I will preach. I've never had that happen before, but I've never preached under glaring sun before. It said, emergency, my iPad is too hot, and it shut it down. I want to say it to you again. Abraham did not look at his crisis those 42 years of mistakes, but he remembered a promise that God had given him, and he refused to let go of that promise. Can I say it to you? Abraham looked through the eyes of promise. That's why he gained favor with God. How do I knew that? How do I know that? Because the Bible says when he was getting ready to make that three-day trek up a mountain to offer Isaac, he looked at the young men that were standing here with him, and he made an amazing statement. He said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Wait a minute. He knew what God said do. He knew he was going on a mountain to offer his son on an altar. He had knife. He had wood. They had fire. Even Isaac said, hey, Dad, we got it all, but where's the lamb? And Abraham prophetically spoke, God will provide himself a lamb. I know I'm probably not near as spiritual as you. I'm sure you know, you know, God, Abraham was looking through the telescope of time when Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, would come to earth and go to a Calvary, go to a cross called Calvary. I'm not sure Abraham had that depth of understanding. I just simply believe he was looking forward. He knew, you know what? God said this is going to be the Son that the promise is going to flow through. I'm standing on that promise. I don't know how, son, Ellis paraphrase, but God will provide himself a lamb. And we know with knife in hand, as he tied Isaac to that altar, all of a sudden the Lord spoke, Stop! Stop! And there was a ram caught in the thicket that became 
the temporal lamb until Jesus came. But I want to go back again to this great man of faith. And I want to tell you, I don't believe that he was special just because of his name or even just because of his lineage. I believe he dared to live for God regardless of what the circumstances brought. And he walked with God. He lived for God in a way that he literally became the father of the faithful. And you and I today are recipients because a man 4,000 years ago was willing to look through the eyes of promise. Let me tell you something. He didn't receive that promise. He was simply the conduit that God used to flow promise through. And so was Isaac. And so was Jesus. And so are we. You know, if I could read my notes, I would tell you. Been in ministry now, going on 43 years. And during those years, I didn't parallel it till right now, 42 and 42, that's interesting. I, during those 42 years of the ministry that my wife and I were called to, God has given us some promises. Has God given any of you some promises? You know what's amazing and what I, I realized during those 42 years? My wife and I have watched God do miracles to enable those promises to come to pass. And I will pause here and say something I'm sure I've said to you in the past. If you don't need a miracle to bring your promise to pass, it probably wasn't God anyways. Because no flesh is going to glory in His presence. You know, I, I pray for this church a lot. I realize we have an invested interest. But I, I pray for this church a lot. I appreciate what this church stands for. It's interesting. I, I did not know that the will of God at any cost was Bishop Pasley's motto. And it was on the walls of your church for how many years now, Kristen? I don't know where I got it. I didn't read it anywhere, but it became a family motto of ours. And it was so unique when Tom and Kristen got together. That was one bridge or hurdle they didn't have to wrestle through because they had both been brought up with that same value. There's nothing more that matters in life than to know that you know that you know that you're in the will of God. I've had enough 
personal time with your late Bishop Norman Pazley. I've had some minimal time with the elder, but with, with Bishop Norman, we had some personal time and shared heartbeats many times. He talked to me about the future of this assembly. I remember him talking to me about when Tom and Kristen made the move to come back here and be part of the team. And, and I, here's what I know. Here's what I felt like the Lord reminded me of even this morning as I was praying. With these two great men of God received some promises. God spoke to them some things. Some of those things, probably most of those things, they've shared over time. Some maybe you found out through reading writings that they may have written, where in a prayer moment, in a God moment, in a prayer closet somewhere, God spoke word to them and promised to them. Well, I want to tell you, those promises have not died. I'm telling you that the promise that God has given us lives beyond us. I thank God for everything that the Lord has allowed me to witness. But I'm telling you, there's some things I'm holding on to. And please don't take this wrong. I don't expect to see them. Not in my flesh. Not in my lifetime. But I'm holding on to them. More importantly, I'm living my life, doing my best to position myself to enable those promises to be fulfilled. You have no idea who you affect. You have no idea who you impact. You have no idea what your life means to others. Our children grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and people we've never known, people we've never seen, people we'll never meet, at least until we get to glory. What are you looking through today? Whose eyes are you looking through? Well, Bishop, I... I just see this crazy pandemic and when's it ever going to stop? Bishop, haven't you watched the news the last few days? Don't you see the chaos that's going on in, in our cities? And make no mistake about it, that was a tragedy. Should have never happened. But I want to ask you today, whose eyes are you looking through? What are you looking through? Don't you understand that if you get your eyes off of promise, you'll start living your life the way you think it's best. And there's no better way to guarantee you'll never see those promises come to pass. I've said this many times. It wasn't original with me. But I've said it many times and I've said it here. Our vision has got to be bigger than our memories. 
I'm going to say it again. Our vision has got to be bigger than our memories. Pastor Tom, Pastor Kristen, God's given you some promises. I guarantee you, you've probably not even shared them with anybody. There's some things you're holding on to. And if the Lord tarries, those promises are going to outlive you. But don't get your eyes off of them. Write them down. What did he say to Habakkuk? Write the vision. Make it plain so that others can know how to live. I want to tell you, our life needs to live the vision, the promise that God has given us through this precious book. The truth is, you know why you're here today? Because of this promise right here. That's why we're standing out here in this beautiful sunlight, sunshine. Come on, stand with me, because if you keep seating, I'll keep preaching. I want to close today by simply asking you a question. Is there anything that's standing between you and your promise? Well, you know, I, Bishop, I hear what you say, but, you know, I've asked this question to many young ministers and their spouses that we have mentored through the years. Is there anything that God could ever ask you or I to do that we would be unwilling? I've watched young people who are just beginning in their walk with God and their ministry calling double over in a seat and begin to weep. Oh, Bishop, I'm not sure how to answer that. And I said, thank you. Thank you. That's how I expect you to answer it. Living by faith does not remove challenges. Looking through the eyes of promise doesn't remove good reasons why you're just not sure. The Christ that's in us, the God that's in us, the word that we love and the word that we live by will get us to the next journey, to the next place. The service is kind of a fresh start to a brand new journey for the Calvary Church. Why don't you lift your hands? Why don't you ask God right now, Lord, I'm asking you, help me. Help me not to remove my eyes from the promise. Help me not to be get, get so caught up in this current world, in this current crisis, that I get away from the things that you've called me to do. 
God, help me take that thing that I picked up from the altar and walked away from. Help me to take it back to the altar. Help me lay it back down. Help me this time, Lord, put a knife in it so that it has no more life in my life. In Jesus' name, here's the reality. I can't pray this prayer for you. You can only pray it for yourself. Come on, Calvary. Come on. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They're white, all ready for promise. You know, you're setting together as families. I don't think there's anything against families hugging up on one another or laying hands on one another or just maybe if you'd rather not, it's okay. But if maybe you could just put a hand on a on a son or a daughter that's standing beside you. Grandchild. In Jesus' name. Come on, will you pray for one another right now? Recommit yourself. Recommit your life. Put your eyes back on the promise. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.